Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Motos and Friends, a weekly podcast brought to you by the editors at Ultimate Motorcycling. This week, we only have the one segment, I'm afraid, but it's an interesting one. Editor Don Williams chats to editor-at-large Freeman Wood about his ride on BMW's new R18 Transcontinental and the bagger version, the R18B. Freeman is a BMW GS owner himself and has ridden many of the big boxer twins in the past, so his opinions, somewhat naturally, compare directly back to his other experiences aboard BMWs. I hope you find it interesting. Before we get started with Freeman, I want to talk about how I really enjoyed the R18. Uh, I rode just the naked one, and it was an incredibly fun around town bike. And uh, everywhere I went, people would go, oh, that's cool. What's that bike? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow, that's great. And just riding around town, good power, zoomed around. I put it in the rock mode, not the roll mode, and obviously not the rain mode. And it was just an all-around enjoyable motorcycle that you also got a lot of good attention on. Now, in going to the Transcontinental, they've added a lot of weight. They've added some wind resistance from a fairing. They've added bags, lots of things. And Freeman rode, ultimately, a motorcycle that's quite different than what I rode. So what is the difference in riding the Transcontinental and the Beat models? Sure. Before I jump in, I would agree that um, the, the bike is really fun to ride around town at slower speeds. Um, it's got uh, great presence. Uh, it's great looking. And you're right, people will stop and, and want to look at it and talk more about it because it's a great looking bike. Um, the, the difference between two bikes is, is not that great uh, other than weight and a little bit of wind protection. Um, everything else is, is very similar, the engine, the, the uh, powertrain, um, geometry, et cetera. But um, the about I don't know, 60, 70 pounds of difference in weight does make a bit of a difference um, when you're riding it. Uh, you do feel that extra weight on the transcontinental um, when you're riding, particularly when you're at uh, higher speeds and you're passing speeds. Right. With the transcontinental, what are the strengths of it as a touring bike? What are the weaknesses of a touring bike? Sure. The, um, well, it's, it's a very comfortable uh, bike to ride. The seat is, is generous. It's, you fit well into it. It holds you well without locking you in. Um, the, for me, at least, the geometry or the, uh, the seating position uh, where my feet were with mid controls and, and my reach to the bars, everything was very, very comfortable. So riding around town, it was, it was terrific. Being on the road and cruising, great wind protection. Um, very solid, strong engine. It was, a, it's a very good touring bike. Um, and, and that's probably the biggest strength is, is it really is, is feels good, feels comfortable on the road, uh, feels, um, you know, wind isn't an issue, uh, even crosswinds, strong winds, you, you feel very planted, very, uh, uh, confident on the road. I think that's a, its biggest strength. Also, the suspension is beautiful. It's uh, got plenty of travel, uh, particularly in the in the back, and so uh, all the bumps, big hits, small hits are sort of absorbed really nicely. Yet, it's designed in a way that you feel very comfortable going through turns, um, being aggressive through turns, and um, and so it really works in, in a really uh, I think very effective way, the suspension. I think the biggest drawback is the engine uh, not being powerful enough for the weight uh, and size of the bike. Um, again, around town, the Torquey uh, Boxer engine feels great. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It responds to what you want to do. But once you get into a passing situation or being on the highway, you just don't have the sort of the, the demand, uh, you know, power on demand that you really want. And that's, that's the biggest uh, drawback, I believe. So th there's plenty of torque, but not enough 
high-end power from like the mid-range to the top it ends up flattening out and making it hard to like say pass somebody uh or go up a hill exactly you uh you get on the highway and you kind of crank down uh, the uh the throttle and nothing really happens the way you'd want it to happen and i think that's a uh you know a function of the fact that it's, it is a very big heavy bike uh the engine just isn't quite powerful enough and in the boxer engine uh, tends to flatten out and, and lose power pretty quickly up the rev range as well. So that does not help. So you're an owner of an R1250GS. So you would say that that bike actually does better passing at high speed than the R18 Transcontinental? Absolutely. I think the bikes are, are night and day. And I, and I actually owned a, uh, an R1200 RS uh, before as well, which uh, didn't have the shift cam um, and still was extremely powerful, really um, no issues ever passing, uh, a very different uh, experience compared to this larger boxer engine. Right, and speaking of boxer engines, one of the complaints some people have about the R18 is that you can't put your feet out straight as you can on say a Harley, you know, any V-twin where there's plenty of, there's nothing impeding your feet from moving forward. Did you have any ergonomic issues riding for a long time with your legs relatively close to your body? Uh, I didn't. Uh, it, it felt very comfortable to me. That's a, the, more of a normal sort of seating position that I typically ride. So that neutral position with midfoot controls felt great. Uh, it had uh, floorboards so I could move my feet around a little bit. You can't go too far with those big uh, cylinders in front of you. But uh, also, if you if you put highway bars, uh, you could actually probably rest your feet on those big uh, those big cylinders or somewhere up there if you if you really needed to. So I don't think that was a big issue. Okay, it's funny you mentioned the size of the motor. Physically, I think you had the same response I did when I first saw the R18. I just couldn't believe how big those cylinders were. Exactly. It just, uh, you can't be prepared for when you see it. It's just enormous. And uh, it's its a beautifully uh, designed engine. It's uh, It just looks great. It looks sort of very retro, but also very powerful. And uh, But it is, it's just enormous. And my first thought was, I'm going to clip some side of some trucks as I go by it. But you're not, it's not that wide, but it certainly looks, it looks like it is. Right. Looking at the uh, R18 Transcontinental, it's a pretty sizable fairing that it has and a fairly tall windscreen. How does that work from the low seating position that the bike has? Yeah, I think that the wind protection was excellent. I, there was very little buffeting, very little you know, wind hitting my, my body, and it was very comfortable. The only drawback for me, based on my body size, was that the top of the windscreen hit right at my eye level, and I don't really like that. Um, it, if you're shorter or taller, depending on what you like, it might be fine. But for me, it was I was constantly sort of sitting up, stretching, trying to see over that uh, that that windscreen. But in terms of functionality, um, the fairing and the windscreen worked terrifically. Okay, and kind of continuing on that issue of of creature comforts, the Transcontinental has a ten and a half inch TFT screen, which sounds pretty big. How was that? Yeah, it is pretty enormous, and uh, the I think the execution of the dash is very nice. They've got the sort of the retro analog dials above, and then the screen below. Um, you can load up your um, sync with the BMW app and load up a, a, a nav system with it. It's got great information, very intuitive, easy to flip through various menus, play the music, all those things. Uh, it was really well well designed. Um, I'm used to the little controller wheel that uh, BMW has on most many of its its bikes, and so I was able to shift through the various menus very easily. And it's a very clear, very easy to see display. 
Okay. You were uh, writing the first edition model, which has some upgrades and also the one that has the new Marshall sound system. And how, how was, you know, Marshall obviously is a cool name dating back to the 60s for, you know, rock and roll sounds. And which is kind of funny considering they have that, the rock and roll power modes. How did it rock and roll? It sounded great. Uh, and I'm not a big fan necessarily of, 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 music played out loud on a bike i typically have bluetooth on my helmet so i wasn't sure how i was going to like it but uh it was it was terrific uh at highway speeds and with a lot of wind noise you you don't hear it as much it, you can hear it, the sort of the audio quality isn't really coming through but lower speeds and particularly if you're just sitting somewhere it sounded amazing i mean really really good okay so it would sound best around town if you're in arizona where you don't have to wear a helmet exactly exactly but it but it does get the job done on a, on a certain level uh highway speeds let's say yeah you definitely hear it uh you, and it's it's really good just some of the so the treble and some of the basses will drown out with the with the wind noise but you can definitely hear it fine and hear all your music and, and that's nice right my feeling with sound systems on on uh, bikes like that is it's just there to remind you of what the song sounds like it's you're listening to music that you already know so you kind of fill in the blanks of of what your helmet or maybe if you wear earplugs or the wind noise you, you know what the you know what Highway Star by Deep Purple is supposed to sound like. So when you hear it at all, you 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 can make it make it feel in the way you want it to be. Absolutely, that's true. And one of the other things about sort of the big big cruisers in this market is the this feel of presence and that you're you know you're kind of on the road and you're there and this big bike and having a great sound blasting through your through your system, uh, and particularly again at lower speeds where you can really hear it was was kind of a cool feeling. I'm not gonna lie. Cool. Well, we don't expect you to lie. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I also noticed now on the, the that on the transcontinental, it also has uh, some adjustable wind wings. I'll call them. They're like wind wings on on old cars. Did they make a difference? Yeah, and it was it was it was hot when we were riding, and so I had them open the whole time, and they float air very nicely around your body. And uh, I think without them, it probably would have gotten a little hotter because the the fairing and the transcontinental windscreen is so big, it blocks a lot of air. Okay. How are the bags uh, and the top case? Uh, they worked really well. The um, the bags on the on the side are are nice sized. Uh, they have those if you upgrade to the, the the upgraded Marshall system. They've got the speakers in there, which take up a little bit of room. Um, but still, they've got plenty of space and they work very fluidly, very easily. Uh, the top case was enormous, plenty of space for anything that you wanted. Um, I thought it was was really executed well. And with the uh, the keyless fob, you can lock all of those, and and that's kind of a nice security. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The being able to lock bags is big. And and I uh take it you can put a helmet in the top box easily of the uh transcontinental. Easily one and probably two. Okay. Now let's move over to the bagger for a minute. How did you like the bagger relative to the transcontinental, first of all? So I rode the transcontinental first, uh, and then I rode the bagger second. And I definitely noticed a difference in agility and just power off the line and and because of the weight and, and the way it felt. Uh, it, it was just a little bit more agile, a little bit more fun, um, and definitely uh, more what I would like to ride. Um, you give up some wind protection with the, the screen. And, and again, unfortunately, my body height was, wasn't exactly right for the shorter screen. It could have been about two inches taller for me. Um, and, but other than that, it was, it was a great, everything else was the same and it was fun to ride and a bit more spirited than the, than the big transcontinental. Um, I was a bit surprised that BMW didn't put in adjustable windscreens on, on these models, um, something that looked like it would be pretty easy to design and put in, 
and that would have made it perfect for me. Mm. So yeah, so there's no there's no adjustability at all. There's completely fixed. Exactly. Okay. How are the brakes? There's a lot of electronics, you know, including the brakes. There's a lot of electronics on the the R18 Transcontinental and B. How do you manage those? The the brakes felt great. The um, they're linked both front and rear, so they're actuated by either the front brake uh, lever or the pedal in the back. And what was interesting and, and I really enjoyed was the the amount of uh, braking, it depended on which one you pulled. So if I was wanting a little more back brake, I could use the back brake and uh, more of that force would be on the rear rear brake than on the front, but both would be working just fine. Um, the, the bike didn't dive too much and hard uh, front braking. And really, um, I never got in a situation where I felt like um, I had too much weight on the bike for the brakes. Okay. There are the multiple modes, the rock roll and rain. How much different are they? I didn't see a, feel a big difference between a rock and roll. Um, I didn't go into rain because it just wasn't, we weren't in any rain and I was wanting more power anyway. Um, but so I didn't feel a ton of difference, uh, maybe a bit more throttle response um, under the rock um, uh, setting. But really, not not nearly as much as I've seen in other other uh, bikes that have those type of different modes. Okay. When you're riding the bike, how does the engine sound? It hums along really nicely. It feels really good. I think when you get just with many of the boxers, when you get the RPMs past 4,000, it starts to vibrate. Uh, it starts to feel not where it wants to be. Um, doesn't sound quite right. So if you stay in that sweet spot uh, below 4,000 RPMs, it, it feels great and runs beautifully. Okay, that requires shifting. Uh, I've never shifted a BMW with floorboards. How is that? Yeah, that's a good question. The uh, The shifter was also a, a toe and heel shifter and I don't ride a heel shifter much. So I didn't use that as, as much as, a, as other people did. Um, the, the problem that I had and actually a number of people had when we were riding it was the floorboard was a little too close to the shifter. So getting your toe underneath it was a bit challenging for shifting. Uh, midway through the day, uh, and it, uh, one of the mechanics came over and showed how we can uh, take a screw off and adjust it very easily and get it to be where you want it to be. So it just is a matter of adjusting, but the morning was a little challenging. Once once that was fixed, it, it felt great. Um, floorboards worked great. Uh, it was it was really well-designed. So it sounds like the, the, the stock positioning of it is trying to push you into using the heel to upshift. It seemed it seemed so, but to, to uh, BMW's credit, they both the heel and the toe shifter are independently adjustable. So you can you know, you raise up the, uh, the heel or put it down and do the same with the front independently. And that's really nice because you can adjust exactly the way you want to feel to shift it. Yeah, I, I actually like heel toe shifting. And when I'm on a big cruiser, it doesn't have it. I'm always a little bit disappointed. I feel like it just slows me down and it puts me in the right mood. You know, it's easy to upshift, upshift, you know, and this is like, I'm pushing down. So it's a very deliberate action. And so from a, from a purely mental standpoint, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the heel-toe shifter on bikes like that. And so I, I actually look forward to, to riding that. I think that you're, you know, one of the things you just mentioned is ride is that your, your mentality shifts a little bit when you get on a bike like this. Uh, things slow down a little bit, uh, you're less aggressive. It's more about enjoying the ride. And I think that this, this bike does that really well. Right. So vibration wise, the engine's fine below say 4,000 RPM. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's hums along nicely, but there is a pretty big difference once it gets above 3,500 to 4,000 RPMs. It's, it's not where you really want the engine to be. It's, it's not very comfortable. Okay. So your main complaint would be power. That's right. Top end power. Yeah, that's right. If the, I think that if they were to, to fix that or put a little bit more power there, uh, I think it would be a, a fantastic uh, touring 
motorcycle. Um, like I said, the suspension is, is fantastic. Uh, the seating position for me was fantastic. Uh, the execution of the dash, the sound, um, all of those things were really nice. Um, it has cruise control standard, but it also has uh, an active cruise control that uh, that you can upgrade to, which is really nice for, for long distance riding. So really some some great features to it. Okay, and, and you were riding one up. So if you were two up, you would even more feel the lack of high end, top end power. Absolutely, and I didn't have any, I didn't load up the bags either. So with, with bags and a, and a passenger, it would be uh, really pretty underpowered. Okay, for you, what were the most impressive strengths of the bike? Suspension and brakes were terrific. Um, any type of rough road or, big hits just it just screws beautifully over that was a big strength uh the fit and finish uh the, it's, it's just a beautiful light bike to look at um i was riding the first edition paint job which is the black with the pinstriping for me that was just just a gorgeous look to it um the engine as we talked about is really beautiful the execution of the dash and, and the wind protection is really good so uh, a lot of great features to it okay one more thing about the handling how is the cornering clearance and what happens when you touch down? Yeah, great question. Uh, I found that um, I did touch down the boards through some of the tighter tighter turns and uh, they tended to touch down right where I expected it to be. So not too soon, uh, not too far, just where you think you would need it, uh, you'd expect it to hit. And with you know proper riding and adjusting for that, you never really had to drag those the pegs of the or the floorboards much through the turns. Um, when they did hit, though, they hit pretty abruptly for some reason. It just it just was always a bit more shocking than uh, other bikes I've been on. So something about it, the design, just uh, reminds you that it's really not designed to do that. So was that the case on both the Transcontinental and the B? Yes, it was. Both both uh, models I rode with had the floorboards. Um, the the B comes with pegs, I think standard, and you can also get the boards. So I did not ride a, a model with the with the pegs. Oh, that's interesting because. The uh, standard R18 has foot pegs. And one of the things I really did not like about that bike was when you hit the peg feeler hit down, it was like it gouged into the pavement and just about stopped and actually jerked my foot off the foot peg the first time it happened. Yeah, the the, the floorboards had a little bit similar to that. It's, uh, it really popped my foot out of the off the board when it hit uh, in a surprising way. Yeah, that's a, a something for the aftermarket to think about. You'd think they would want to you know, and say the Harley Davidson, the touchdown is really smooth. You just kind of, oh yeah, I'm grinding. Right. Okay, that's fine. There's no like, oh, well, wait a minute, what happened? I wasn't expecting that. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So it sounds like there's some room room for improvement, but there's a lot of great things in a, a great basic platform for both the B and the transcontinental. I think that's right. I think they've they've thought a lot of about a lot of the aspects, the from the geometry to the uh, seating position to the suspension, all are really good things. I think that um, if BMW were to get some more power out of that engine, it would be a, a great competitor for the other bikes in the market. Looks like an opportunity for the uh, ECU folks and the exhaust folks to uh, uncork it. Exactly, exactly. Right, because with, with 1800 cc's, you, you've got plenty of displacement, certainly. Yeah, and that, my only question is, uh, is it so big that the vibration and uh, the movement of all that mass is that something you can overcome with uh, with fueling? Um, and I, I don't know because it's it's you know, like you said it's it's a lot of engine and you'd think that uh, they could do more with it. That's true. That's two two nine hundred cc jugs running opposite of each other. Exactly, and uh, like I said, above four thousand RPM, you know it. Oh, and also uh, the shaft drive, no problems with any any kind of. B bad behavior no it was it was beautifully designed shifted or uh shifted it and, and accelerated accelerated uh, beautifully 
Well, uh, it looks like we're going to have to ride that bike more. I'm going to get that from BMW and take that, you know, take it for a, a spin also because uh, it, it it's a fascinating looking motorcycle and, you know, such a different take on the uh, full dresser and the bagger attitude. Absolutely. I would agree. Anyway, uh, hope you had a great time there in Denver. We didn't mention that maybe that you were in the Rocky Mountains, which actually might have hurt the performance a bit, the thinner air up there. It, it might have, although you know we were sort of down in, in Denver and then up further in the mountains and didn't feel a ton of difference, but it, it may have. That may have been a bit of a, a drawback. All right. Well, thank you very much. Great talking to you. And we'll be talking to you next time you're out on something new. Fantastic. Thanks very much. Okay. Thanks a lot.